You are listening to an Emmanuel Community Church podcast. For more sermons or information about the church, visit our website at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. Well, the story goes that it was about 1918 when a gentleman by the name of Father Edward Flanagan became the founder of an orphanage. It was known as Boys Town. Some of you have probably heard of it. He was uh, walking up the set of stairs in a tall building, and he saw another boy, a a boy there carrying, another small boy, Reuben Granger, was carrying Howard Loomis. And uh, Loomis was being carried because he had polio. Now, polio, something we don't deal with much or at all anymore, but in those days, it was a very common crippling disease, and so Loomis unable to walk. Father Flanagan asked Granger if carrying Loomis was difficult, and he replied, he ain't heavy, Father, he's my brother. That phrase apparently just lit up, electrified the passions of Father Flanagan for these boys and the orphanage, Boys Town, and he made that the slogan. He says, we're all going to work together. We are going to care for one another. Our theme will be, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. Which, by the way, was such a fascinating concept that 20 years later, Hollywood picked it up. They saw the story, read the story, and they decided to make it a movie. And the movie was known as Boys Town, 1938. It won Academy Awards for Best Actor and for Best Storyline, And uh, the actor, by the way, for some of you who might remember him, was a guy by the name of Mickey Rooney. And Mickey Rooney, this was the launch of his career, a very long-storied career. He ain't heavy, he's my brother, the theme of the movie. Now, many of you might remember that 30 years after that, or what, 50 years ago now, a singing group by the name of the Hollies Introduced to us the song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, and I'd like to sing that to you now. (laughs) Why do you laugh? (laughs) Well, I know you're probably all singing it in your heads, if nothing else. In fact, as I was preparing this message this week, I just, this song, I couldn't get it out of my head because it's one we've all known, recorded by multiple artists after this, and a well-known song. The theme, of course, is I... Don't mind carrying a brother who needs help. Now, I don't know when the first person said, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't 1918 and it wasn't in the 18 or 17 or 1600s. At least it was all the way back 2,000 years ago when the Apostle Paul said it. You may not realize that, but that's the theme of the passage we're going to talk about today. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 13, is the continuation of Romans 14. Now, I know for some of us, that's hard because you pick up a book and you turn chapters and you usually turn subjects. But the references, the the chapters and the verses were added to our Bible later. Paul didn't write it that way, right? And when it was divided up, in a sense, misdivided because... Romans 14 should continue all the way down to 15, 13. It's one section. And today we conclude that section. I want to remind you, as I have on the screen, 
This is believer-to-believer issues. This has nothing to do with the world. There's plenty of chapters, scriptures in the Bible that tell you how to deal with the world, people who don't know Jesus. This is about your Christian brother or sister and how to treat them, as chapter 14 was as well. So take your Bibles, if you would, and join me in Romans chapter 15 as we finish this section on the law of love. Now, there are one more message in this series, but this is a finish of this particular subject. I want to take just a moment to let you know that um, not only do we have a team in Columbia, but we have a team in Texas right now for a different purpose. Our pastor, Pastor Josh, and the elders are in Texas this weekend for a dream retreat, for a vision casting time. And uh, they stopped at a fast food place, apparently, and uh, got a picture. And so here they are. They spent the whole weekend there. They're dreaming and looking at what the future might be for Emmanuel. And uh, even as they finish up today and fly home later today, I just think it'd be good for us to continue to pray for them. I'm going to give you just a moment to do that now. Let's just bow our heads and be quiet before the Lord. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy and we worship you. And in our worship, we also make requests. And our prayer is that you might be with Pastor Josh and the elders today as they continue their meetings, as they continue their dreaming. I pray, Father, that they would sense the Holy Spirit as I've been praying, Father, for the week now. I I just again pray for clarity that you would help them see the focus and the direction that you would like this church to take in coming years. And Father, I pray that this weekend might be a defining moment in the history of Emmanuel Community Church. Thank you for the opportunity we have to dream with you about the future you might have created for us. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, there are two lessons we're learning in this series, and you've heard us say them multiple times now. Number one, the gospel absorbed is the gospel applied. This is all about learning to live. Romans 1 to 11, chapters 1 to 11, was all about theology, and it was heavy. Romans 12 to 15 says, now that you got it, here's how you put it into practice. This is the, this is the vision of someone who's kind of been changed into looking like Christ. I hope most of us here reflect that. Secondly, Paul's applications here in chapters 12 to 15 might at first read to seem a little bit scattered to you. It might seem like, man, he's here and he's there and he's over here. And yes, in a sense, that's true. But you see, the Roman Christians, they're new Christians, all of them. Christianity has not been around that long. And so they're newer Christians, and, and he knows the things they're dealing with. And so stat, starting with Romans 12.1, which I preached to you back on the last Sunday of 2023. 
And continuing through chapter 15, he's saying, these are the things I think you're struggling with. Let me help you deal with them. And so the thread all through these chapters is, this is how you love one another. It's, it's a wonderful section. Now, I'd like to review what we've learned the last two weeks so that we're kind of all up to speed. Number one, Romans 14, and now 15, is designed to help us accept one another's differences in lifestyle choices. We keep calling these the gray areas. There are those issues in Christianity where you go to one church and someone might say, this is wrong, you shouldn't do this. And the next church, they say, it's okay to do this. And you go, what's right? Well, there is no right or wrong biblically. There's a lot of these areas where we might have strong opinions, but we can't point to a verse of the Bible that says, see, you can or you can't do this. It started, if you remember this whole section, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. These are just opinions. Secondly, the weaker brother is the one who struggles with participating in a gray area for whatever reason. So you sit down to a meal and everybody else is having a glass of wine and you don't feel comfortable. Maybe you grew up with an alcoholic father. Or maybe it's just not of interest to you. And so you choose not to do that. You are, in this case, the weaker brother. Now, I want to clarify this again. Because I've had at least a half a dozen ask you this. And I probably should have said this before. Just because you're the weaker brother in one particular area. Doesn't make you an immature Christian. In fact, you can be tremendously mature but in a few areas, we call gray areas, you're weaker because you are not free to participate. Let me give an example from our physical life. Let's say you're extremely physically fit. You run every day, you lift weights, you go to the doctor and all he does is commend you. You're amazing, you know? Everything is just right. However, you have an issue, one issue. And that is you have asthma that strikes you every now and then. Anybody who knew you would say, wow, there's a fit, strong person. And then they might say, but he does have a weakness with asthma. That, that's what we're talking about here. You can be, and most of you are very strong, mature believers. But in a few areas in the, you know, questionable things, you are weaker. Nothing wrong with that. And you don't have to change that. Now, thirdly, wherever you stand concerning any particular gray area, remember you have no right to judge someone else who chooses differently. You say, I don't think it's right for me to do this. Please don't say, I don't think it's right for Christians to do this. You don't have that right. But you can say, I don't think it's right for me to do this. And then not judge your brother when he does. God is the only judge here. Number four, no matter what choices another Christian makes, if you believe that a particular choice is wrong for you, it is wrong for you. If your conscience says no, and you do it anyway, that's sin. I used last week an example of something I've struggled with more recently, and that is the issue of this online gambling that's so rampant everywhere. And you, you go and watch a game with your friends and everybody's right before the game, you know, it comes up on the screen, you know, if you want to place your bets. And, and so everybody else does, but you say, I, I don't feel comfortable. But, but they taunt you. Come on, put 10 bucks down. 
And you go, okay. You know what? That's sin for you. Not, not the act of the gambling, but going against what you believe is right for you. Number five, the bottom line is to be unselfish and yield to the needs of des or desires of a weaker brother. When you're weak with someone else who thinks something is not appropriate for them, then it's best if you don't do it either. You can be unselfish. I love how Paul says this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. Whether you have a steak or a glass of wine, is that really that important to you? No, no, it's righteousness and peace and joy. That's what should matter. Now we come to chapter 15, which is the conclusion of this section. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The word please used twice there. That's the key. If you're a stronger believer in any given situation, then you have an obligation. This is ophilo. This is a Greek word that means to be in debt. You remember when Jesus told those parables about people borrowing money and not being able to repay it? This is the word used. It means you have an indebtedness. We are in debt to one another to bear each other's weakness. If you are uncomfortable doing a certain thing, and I'm comfortable with that thing, I will bear your weakness. I'll be okay and not choose to participate either. That's what it boils down to. The word bear here is the word bastadzo. Bastadzo is a fairly common word, 27 times in the New Testament. It means to carry. It means to bear, hold up. Let me show you some of the uses because I think this will make a lot of sense to you. Jesus sent two of his disciples to get ready, if you remember, in the upper room for the Last Supper. And he said, go into the city and you'll see a man carrying a jar of water. That's the word bastadzo. You see, he's bearing it. And you might go up to that man and say, is that heavy? Now, in those days, they didn't have the plastic jugs or the backpacks, did they? They were carrying something that probably was pretty heavy. And I think he'd have said, yes, it's heavy, but I don't mind. This is drinking water for my family. I do it every day. I'm happy to do it. Or when Jesus was one time walking along and came upon a funeral procession. And in the funeral procession, he walked over to the beer, that's the, the casket. And, and he got there and the bearers, today we call them pallbearers, right? Six we use today, I don't know how many they used then. But the bearers were carrying the casket. And if you'd have said to these guys, wow, Bastadzo, you... You're carrying that heavy weight? And Ada said, we don't mind. This guy was our friend. It, we're, we're honored to carry him. Or, or let me take you to a time when a woman cried out when Jesus was speaking and said, blessed is the womb that bastadzo you. Carried you. <laughs> Bore is the translation here. And now if you'd say to any woman, and I imagine this is true, I've never had a baby, okay? But ladies, I imagine what you would say if we'd say, was that a burden? You might say, well, it was uncomfortable. It wasn't pleasant at times. 
But no, it's no burden because that's my child. Or the passage in Acts where John and Peter are headed to the temple and on the way, they meet a lame man, lame from birth, who's being bastadzo by his friends. Look at this. Daily. Every day his friends carry him and sit him at this gate so he can receive gifts. And if you'd ask these friends, is that a burden? They'd say, well, he's heavy. But it's not a burden. We're honored to do it. Now that's the word. The common theme here is that bearing is not a burden. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. And if he's uncomfortable with this particular situation, I won't do it. I can bear that. It isn't a burden. Now, don't carry your brother's weakness just to please yourself, says Paul. Don't do it so you can say, hey, look at me. I'm a good Christian. I'm a strong Christian. Remember motive. Motive says, no, I'll, I'll do this for his sake and not for my sake. Not to please myself. Instead, do this to please the other person. Let each of us please his neighbor, your brother or sister in Christ, for two reasons, and it's obvious here, you can figure that out yourself, for his good, because it will be much healthier for him, and secondly, to build them up. You know what? If you treat your brother with respect over a period of time in that one area where he's weak, he might get stronger. The things today that you say, I don't think that would be right for me, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you might be okay with. That's okay. You've grown. You've changed in that particular way. By the way, I just say this, even though it's not popular today. When you take care of other people, you will please yourself. There are so many people in our world who are looking to be happy. They're buying things to be happy. They're going places to be happy. They're doing anything they can to be happy. And I'd say quit chasing happiness and start chasing happiness for someone else. And as you build someone else up, you're going to find out you're the happiest you've ever been. Just my opinion. Now, the patterns. Christ did not please himself. As it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So, as in many other ways, Jesus here is our example. In almost in every way, right? He's our example. He didn't choose to please himself. He chose to please others. In fact, that's why he came. He lived in heaven for eternity. But for 33 years, he decided to leave, wow, heaven. Not to please himself, but for us. He came to earth. By the way, Paul uses an Old Testament text here. You probably wouldn't know it off the top of your head, but it's Psalm 16, uh, 69, and it's, it says, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he's writing this to say, this is not something new, folks. This is old. This is what God always planned to do. Philippians 2 is one that we quote a lot. Jesus, who though he was in the, in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He did that willingly. He did it to please us. Now you have another example. The other example is the scriptures. So you have Christ as one example, and you have these scriptures as the other. How are the scriptures an example? Because they've endured. 
through generations. They don't change, do they? Your great-grandparents might have been reading the same scriptures in church. How many years ago, learning from this same passage, the scriptures don't change. And so they are an example to us of what we should do. And by the way, as you read them, they become an encouragement. The passion. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Paul is now concluding this section of Romans. There's one more little few paragraphs. Pastor Josh will be unpacking that for you next week. But this section is being closed with one final paragraph, quoting some scripture, and then he's going to have a prayer. May the God of endurance, sounds like he's bringing an end, isn't it? May the God of endurance, that's like a preacher saying, and in conclusion, which most of you will say means absolutely nothing most of the time. But when Paul says it, it does. May the, may the God of endurance, I'm on my way to finishing. He begins with the same two words that he used for scripture. What was scripture? endurance and encouragement and he says that's who God is just like the word that he produced he is also endurance and encouragement and he says my my one hope for you all is that you'll live in harmony what's harmony mean does harmony mean we all believe the same thing we all think the same way we all make the same choices in gray areas no harmony means we're all different but we work together well. Harmony is when you go to a concert and you hear the sopranos and the altos and the tenors and the basses all singing different parts, but boy, does it sound good. Or when you go to hear a band concert and all the different instruments, and yet together they're amazing. That's what this is talking about. As a church, you all have different opinions, particularly about those gray areas. It's okay. Be in harmony. Now that the endurance and the encouragement of scriptures and then look at verse 5 may the God of endurance and encouragement same two words secondly he hopes that because of the harmony we might worship together as many with one voice some of you say I don't like those choruses and some of you say I don't like those old hymns and some people say, you, we stand too long. And other people say, we don't stand enough. And some of you say, it's too loud. And other people say, turn it up. And sure, we all have these different likes, different ways we would think of worship. But see, that's not the point when we come together. The point when we're together is to have one voice, to be in harmony that we are worshiping this one God with one voice. That's the dream. Lastly, we would continue to welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. Why does Paul say that? Because as you may have already guessed, Paul is drilling down on that one issue that the Roman church can't get past, the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, this whole time, he's kind of been focusing on them. Now, we can apply it too, but we don't deal with Jews and Gentiles. We deal with other issues, likes, dislikes, ethnic you know, issue, ethnic differences, racial, whatever. You see, Paul is saying, now you Jews, always when you come to church, you sit over here. And you Gentiles, you always sit over here. Why, why do you do that? Welcome each other as Christ welcomed you. You Jews, 
You won't eat that steak offered to an idol. You Gentiles say, hey, give me your steak. I'll eat it. You Gentiles won't have a glass of wine, but you Jews, you'll just love your glass of wine. And you see, you guys have such differences. Forget them. You have the right to have differences. But you welcome each other as Christ welcomed you. You live in harmony. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name and then scriptures from the Old Testament. And again it is said, rejoice O Gentiles with its people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. How did Christ welcome us? Well he came to serve the Jewish people. To be their Messiah. To be the one who has been prophesied for years. He fulfilled the promises. And he is the Messiah to the Jewish people who've been waiting for him for several thousand years. By the way, the, Ro- the Jewish people in this Roman church that Paul's writing to, they're all Christians. They believe that although they've always been looking for the Messiah, they've now found him in Christ Jesus. But what about those Gentiles? Well, then Paul says, after he became the Messiah for you guys, and you know he is, then he invited these Gentiles in. And he gave them the very same mercy that he gave you. And some of you go, that's just not right. But it is right. In fact, that's what God has always planned, that all people, Jew and Gentile, would come to him in faith. And then, you know, Paul, he always wants to give you evidence, so then he gives you all this evidence. Let me show you. I'm not going to read them again. As it is written, and again, and again, and again. I just want you to know what I'm telling you is truth. Closes with a prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is his benediction, his prayer to end this section. The benediction concludes this section and in some ways it concludes the book of Romans. Now as you're going to see we still have a couple paragraphs and then a whole chapter that we'll do in April. Chapter 16. But These few paragraphs in that chapter are kind of, if you would, footnotes or P.S. This kind of ends the book. And the whole thing is that God could fill us with joy and peace and hope. I'm going to invite Mitch out who's going to close our service with some special music. But before he does that, I'd like to close with my application to you. We have a We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's how we started. That was the first verse I read. So let me close with this challenge. As you spend time with other believers this week, remember, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. I'm okay giving up certain things for my Christian brother or sister because it will build them up and it is for their good, and I'm happy to make them happy. May I pray over you that prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen.